name is um, Heather Janet Tripp. Um, I was born with the surname Smith um, on the 18th of November 1963 in Henderson in Auckland. I am um, married to Andrew um, and I am the daughter of Wynne and Norm Smith and I'm the, um, I have an older brother and a younger brother. I have four children of my own, Rebecca, Danielle, Alicia, Josh and Johnny who's fostered. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering if you would like to just give me paint a picture of your of your parents your your early years. Okay. Um, so I grew up in suburban West Auckland. We lived in um, McClintock Road, which was a um, a dead end road in the middle of an area that had just had been a market garden area. There were still a few market gardens around, but we were mostly um, there's a few older houses, but most of them were fairly new, built in the um, early 1960s. Um, and we were very much um, working class area. Most mums didn't work. Um, my dad was a school teacher. Uh, so we got good holidays. And we, so in my childhood, we had lots of good memories from, from those holidays. We always traveled somewhere and stayed at the beach. Um, I had grandparents that lived in Ponsonby and that was where my mum had grown up um, so there was quite a connection to that part of Auckland we always got together on a Sunday for dinner with my grandparents my grand, my mum had um, a brother and a sister um, and her parents were alive. My father had no brothers and sisters, so we had quite a small extended family, but it, it did mean that we were quite close and every birthday and Christmas was revolved around getting together with that family. Um, Mum was the oldest, so I didn't, my cousins were quite a bit younger and there was only um, four and two of them lived in Christchurch. So we didn't see them very often, but we did have two big South Island holidays during my childhood, which were um, quite significant, um, special times. And yeah, I did love going to the South Island, so when I ended up living here, I didn't know I was going to like that. Um, I went to primary school at Massey Primary. I'll just go back a minute. Um, so you holidays you got a lot of holidays i think that would be great with your dad as a teacher is there any were they adventurous um were they just camping what kind of things did um they always involved some um some bush bush walks um and yeah i did like being able to name a few native trees and things that was um something i loved um and yeah, Dad had travelled around New Zealand quite a bit with work and he always wanted to take us places. So we, um, we did, usually went to um, drive for a few hours to get to where we were going and then sometimes we'd stay in one place but other times we'd um, travel around quite a bit. So I've got lots of memories of trying to put up tents in the rain. Mm. Um, Mum 
when we did do um, South Island, I remember my mum sewing a mattress and filling them all with foam rubber chips, which were all um, stuffed into the Holden Kingswood. And she sewed us all a sleeping bag each. And she baked a month's worth of baking, which she stuffed into the car. Um, so she was pretty practical. She was very practical, very, very capable. Are you like her? I am in lots of ways. Yep. <laughs> yep. Nice. I can thank her for lots of things. She was, um, she had a, a, a business, or her and dad both did it, sewing um, toys for babies. It was called Terry Toy Specialties. And Dad would had these templates that they'd use to cut around big piles of toweling and use a big craft knife and cut them out. And then Mum would sew them. Um, and so, yeah, lots of memories of listening to the sewing machine going for hours and hours and hours. And then um, us kids would get to cut all the pieces that were sewn together, um, cut the threads and help fold all the turn them in the, out the right way and um, we'd get to play in the great big sack of foam chips and stuff, oh, yeah. the, stuff the toys and, and then they'd all be half finished and she'd spend hours in the garage with a neighbour um, gluing on the eyes and embroidering the, the detail and, and just putting them into plastic bags and putting them into the boxes and we had one of those sellotape things that could go right around the box and tape them up and they'd get shipped off around the country to a chain of um, maternity stalls called Lady in Waiting huh. and um, they got sold. Yeah. So while mum sewed, when I was about um, seven I started cooking dinner so she'd sit and instruct me from the tab kitchen table while she sewed and I, I did, um, got to learn to cook and do lots of things that way. Were you able to keep one? Uh, do you have a doll? Like, do you have any of those dolls um, left? My mum does. She does. Yeah, oh, great. yeah. She has kept some. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, so everybody in the family got them. All the friends and everybody. Yeah, it was white white toweling with little gingham ears. Hmm. Yeah, pink and blue ears. So you learned how to work from your mum. I did. Yeah, yeah, very much. Mm. Yeah. Um, were there any family traditions that you can remember you'd like to share? Um, things like, just little things like getting into bed with mum and dad on a Sunday morning, getting to dunk a biscuit in their cup of tea, um, having to wait for your presents on Christmas morning, wait for the grandparents to be up and got their cup of tea and then we could start having our opening presents. Um, Getting a present for everybody at birthdays. It wasn't just the birthday kid. Everyone got oh, a present from the grandparents. Nice. So it Not sounded good. quite a simple life, but really yeah. safe and Yeah, it loving. was. It was a very simple life. Yeah. Dad would come home from work at five o'clock, have tea. Um, Saturday you worked in the garden. Sunday you went to church. We didn't have a great social life. I don't remember lots of people coming. But if the, I do remember Mum's sister getting married and having a big kitchen party for her, an engagement party, her house. And I remember loving the, seeing the house already um, for something like that. And now it would all be cleaned. And um, yeah, so I guess I, I loved helping Mum do that kind of stuff. 
And being the only girl, I got to be quite... Um, okay. It was just me and mum a lot of the time doing stuff. That sounds so special. Yeah. So, is there anything else that... The cooking, the dolls, anything else that you and your mum did regularly? No, but I do remember visiting people with her. Okay. And being sitting and listening to conversation. Okay. And, and especially sitting on the couch with Nana on one side and Mum on the other side and listening to them yarn oh, nice. and just sitting in the middle. And if it was a Sunday afternoon, we'd, we'd probably all be knitting. <laughs> so how old were crafts. you when you learned to knit then? Pretty young. Yeah, probably about six when I started learning. And, and cro I remember when I was seven, I learned to crochet and I remember crocheting blankets for, um, a blanket for my um, cousin and taking it to school and expecting my teacher to be able to help me, but she had no idea. I couldn't understand, so she didn't know. I thought everybody knew how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I always started doing crafts from quite young. Yeah, so mum and I would do that together. So how are you different from your mum then? Um, I don't know, but I, I, there are things about her that I want to be different. Um, like having an opinion, <laughs> like standing up for myself and saying no, um, yeah, using my voice more, and I look at her and think, she lets people walk over her a bit, and I don't want to be like that. Yeah. So your family heritage is probably pretty important to you. How, how so? Um, I don't know, but it's from a very early age, I've loved looking at family photographs um, and hearing stories, mostly um, from my grandfather who came from Scotland and he was a fisherman and he, he told lots of stories. He never went back to Scotland after he moved to New Zealand. He married my grandmother at 34, she was 19, um, and he never went back. He'd, he'd left home very young. Um, as a cook on a fishing boat and then became a fisherman himself travelled to Canada um, and he talked about being a, um, a cowboy in Canada for a while and then coming to New Zealand and um, fishing here and working in the um, in the harbour on the on the tugboats um, Did he take you fishing? He did take me fishing, um, yeah, mainly if we were on holiday somewhere and him and Nana might come and join us for a couple of days, we'd always go fishing, there was always a tackle box um, and his, uh, my Nana's sister had a little batch at a place called Tea Point, which we only went to a couple of times but um, Nana and Granda went there a lot and we did stay with them there and went out in the dinghy once and fished with my brother and myself and Granda. That's yeah, I've got a photo of that. Um but yeah, his heritage and Scottish background is something that I've always claimed for myself and was really pleased to be able to go there and see the house he was born in and the village he lived in and meet a few relatives when I was older and went there and uh, so you did that as a single person? Yeah. Okay. In my twenties. By yourself? Hmm. Is there anything specific about that time you want to tell, or not really? No, it just made me appreciate, I suppose, how what a hard life 
people had had back in Scotland and I was really grateful that he'd come to New Zealand and I was really, it made me really appreciate. I'd always been pleased I lived in New Zealand and enjoyed growing up here. And then, and then that was thanks to him coming here, really. So you value courage. Yeah, and pioneering. pioneering. Yeah, okay. I think. So as a child, what was um, really important to you? I think it was mostly important to me to get on well with people, to have friends and that kind of thing. When I, can, when I think about good times, it's what it was about, um, having good friendships. Um, but I was always very, I liked to be, not not get in trouble. I, I did always, like there's a lot of stories of me as a little kid wearing my mother out um, so I must have been quite energetic and um, sort of I've always pushed myself physically from quite young I think so it wasn't that was how I enjoyed myself was being really physically active but um, in sports or just busy I think probably both but especially in sports from my middle childhood onwards what were you good at? Um, I was good at athletics. And, yeah, I, I, I used to win most of my running races and I used to get given quite a big handicap. And um, I remember the day I first lost a race and I was devastated. <laughs> and it was probably because it was the school athletics. and the, um, the athletic club ones, the age group I was in was different but then I when we had school athletics suddenly I was running with the eight-year-olds and I didn't win anymore <laughs> I just remember crying in the mud <laughs> feeling so sorry for myself because I was supposed to win <laughs> something was very wrong um but yeah I do remember not quite understanding how it all worked but just being told get in this line and go and you're supposed to be here now and you know it was always kind of not sure if I was in the right place and then you next thing you know you're on a podium getting a medal and you, you didn't really realize that you'd won and that sort of thing. Are you still yeah. competitive or? Um, no not like that no <laughs> no once it got hard yes yeah I was quite tall for my age until I was about eight so and then it got harder. You had the advantage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I did do well in athletics right through school. Um, yeah, I had visions of going to the Olympics, but no, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a neat one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I've always enjoyed all, all, all sports. What other things were you um, thinking about when to grow up? You know, when you grow up, what do you want to be? I do remember asking my mum if, if she thought I could be um, in Miss World. And of course she said, I, of course I could. Um. <laughs> she said yes. <laughs> oh, no. Great mum. Uh, yeah. Um, obviously that wasn't ever What would your happen. dad have said? He'd have made a joke and I would have picked up on it. He wouldn't have hidden his being quite so sincere. And I would have worked out that he was not, he was joking. <laughs> mm. 
feel we missed a little bit of your dad. We talked a lot about your mom. Is there anything you want to add before um, your dad? Yeah. <clears throat> I guess dad was quite into um, sports in some way, so he was always very encouraging. I remember after I'd been at a, um, one Saturday, we'd been at, I think it was, it was Mount Smart Stadium in Auckland, and I'd won a couple of... Um, ribbons and he took me up to see the principal at the school on Saturday afternoon so that I could show them my ribbons to the principal and that was my one memory of him being very proud of me okay. um, so that was cool and he always it was very physical like a lot of rough and tumble kind of stuff with dad um, I remember going to the hot pools with him quite a bit and we were just always on his shoulders and on his back um, he worked really hard um, he didn't do his teacher's training until he had young children um, but I did love going to school and seeing his class where he taught that was you know, you know I was quite proud of that and of course all his students would make a big fuss of us being his children mm. and he worked at Pomaria Primary School um, off Lincoln Road mm -hmm. and we only had one car so if dad was working if mum needed the car during the day she'd have to pick up dad after work and i've got great memories of going up to the principal's or not the, the, going up to the staff room and the principal passing me cameo cream biscuits out the window <laughs> it's so exciting yeah we off, we sometimes tried to hide in the back of the car when dad drove to work um and then we'd jump out and say we're here and before he got too far so we we didn't get into too much trouble. But yeah, he, he was quite fun. And did he have teacher expectations of you? Or was he Yeah, well, not too much. I, well, I think he really encouraged us to do well, learning to read and stuff like that at a young age. And I think we had a sense of, um, my dad's a teacher, so we, we can read really well. Um, that all changed when he became our teacher, when we were eight and we moved to the Waikato I was eight, my brother would have been nine, um, and it was really hard having your father for a school teacher, and our sense of respect for him was really badly damaged because of that. Um, yeah, he kind of made an example of my brother when it came to discipline, which didn't work too well. Um, yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, and I found that I could win people's approval by mimicking him which I did quite a bit, and that that was, that was didn't help me or him. Yeah. 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 So it was kind of sad, really, and from then on, our relationship's been affected yeah. through that. He also is very hard of hearing, um, which... Frustration. Frustration, and he doesn't look that smart, yeah. which, as a child, you don't want your dad to look silly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah always been it's kind of got more so as he's got older and his hearing's got worse and his ability to relate's got harder mm -hmm. so a few little regrets um mm. anything you would change or wish you could have done differently no i don't know i know that i could have done anything differently but i guess as a parent that sense of um Owning problems and, and identifying them and sharing them with your child 
from your own point of view would probably is probably something that I can see is really important. And you've done that. I'd I'd say I've done it a little bit, probably not as well as I'd like to. Mm. I think children need to understand things from an adult's point of view, but they can't do that unless the adult initiates it. So what kind of a neighbourhood were you in at the same neighbourhood most of the time? Um, no, until I was two, eight, it was like two. this little cul-de-sac where everybody rode their bikes around the street all day and, day and night. And the biggest, the scariest thing in life was the neighbour's Alsatian or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then moved to the Waikato when I was eight and it was a whole different culture. I had to learn to relate to farm kids. Everybody were farmers, dairy farmers, except for us, who were te dad was a teacher. So I did, that's probably where my, I think I feel like my peer, sense of peer pressure started quite young and needing to fit in. Because you weren't a farmer. Hmm. Yeah. Um, we still had much better holidays than everybody else. But, mm. Can you remember anything that you thought, oh man, I feel stupid because I didn't know that, you know, about an animal or... Um, maybe it was more of just a cultural difference because um, as I got older I realised our family was different in other ways as well like my family always went to church and um, friends' parents didn't um, friends' parents socialised differently to my family um, and yeah, I did feel like I was a little bit unusual. Shy or just unusual? Yeah, very shy. Yeah. Very quiet, but didn't like being quiet. But then I wasn't, no, I don't know if it, that's probably more later. Um, yeah, it's probably where I was more embarrassed about my father. Mm. That rather than me being different, with my parents being a bit different, not seeing socially, they they didn't fit in as well. Whereas prior to that, I'd been really proud of my dad. Yeah. But loved having animals and pets and things. But yeah, it was also while we were at that, when I was nine, I became a Christian through camp, and um, that was a very significant. Um, event in my life that um, what happened um, I was I went to a camp a scripture union camp probably or CYC um, at Finley Park Carapiro and um, yeah I just was challenged to make a personal decision to make Jesus the Lord of my life and it was a very real um, and defining as far as giving control of my life to God um, and um, yeah just so you must have been spirit. a sincere sincere child then yeah I probably was yeah because it takes some kind of understanding doesn't it to make that um, to realize this is a serious or this is an important thing. Mm. Yeah, I wanted the power of God in my life to 
help me. Um, yeah, I think I think I was probably five the first time I'd asked Jesus into my heart. Um, but this was, um, and I knew that that was something I that I needed to do. But this was something I needed. You wanted. I love. Yeah, it was a change of life. So the five-year-old, can you remember any of that, or just realize you had done it? Um, I can remember doing it several times, I think. Um, and I remember telling other people they needed to do that. <laughs> and I didn't think that it was okay just to say, I love God. I knew it was more than just saying something that magic yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. You um, knew you were making a commitment. Yeah, I think so. Um... I knew it was personal. Mm. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, that's a good memory. Do you have any memories that were difficult or upsetting as a child? Um, I think I started feeling quite anxious during that time when we lived in the Waikato. And I started, want, even though I'd become a Christian, um, or, you know, I'd really felt God in my life and, and um, it kind of gave me this sense of um, not wanting to disappoint God but I was under a lot of peer pressure to be accepted by friends um, and kids can be pretty cruel as far as friendships and it did feel like there was time when um, it was sort of like one person's turn each week to be on the out. <laughs> so I can remember walking around the playground and wondering where everybody was and they'd all taken off without me and um, um, finding them and realising that if I didn't say what I needed, the right thing, I was nobody was going to like me because it was my turn to not be liked. And that was very painful. And I think, yeah, I started getting a lot of stomach aches at that time and diarrhea and, yeah, it was really hard work, actually. Not easy being a kid. No. I don't know many people that found it easy. No. Yeah. yeah. And, it, yeah, it's like a small country school, it's good that everybody's of different ages and all you play with everybody, but at the same time, there's only a few people mm. that you probably really get close to. Um, yeah, so then I, 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 as much as I really didn't want to leave, um, and I used to plan how I would get out of the car and run and hide the day that we did leave, because being teachers, you didn't always, you did move around quite a lot. So I knew it was going to happen one day, and I'd prayed and prayed and prayed that it wouldn't happen. Um, and then um, the day we did leave, I just stayed in the car, and we drove off. And um, I kept in touch with one particular very close friend after that and went and stayed with her a couple of times, got on a bus from Auckland and drove all the way to, the, to Cambridge. But that was also the time when I we, we started going to a church in Whangaparaua and got involved in a youth group there eventually. And I just thank God so much that I... Shifted so let me catch that better. Um, 
you left Waikato when you were about what age? 13. 13. Okay. Mm. Okay, in Whangaparoa, and that was a career change for your dad? Yeah, so we actually moved to a place called Lee, which is an hour and a half north of Auckland. Okay. And that was a two-teacher primary school. By then I was, I went to high school, so I drove on the, went on a bus every day to Walkworth. But we had a section at Whangaparaa, which was an hour south. And so weekends, every weekend after that, we started building a house at Whangaparaa. Okay. And by the, by spring of that year, it was we were staying for the whole weekend, um, going to church, getting, going to youth group, um, and working on the house. So that, I kind of had this double life, whereas there was school and then there was the weekends. So I just lived for the weekends, which was quite good because I just got studied it during the week, got my homework done as quick as I could. And, um, I was always exhausted on the Monday morning. How would you describe um, yourself as a as a teenager? Um, you would have been pretty. I can. So did did you realize that you were a pretty girl? No, no, not at all. Although I did have pretty friends. <laughs> And um, there was a group of us called Hash, which Hash. very naively called ourselves Hash, Heather, Alex, Sharon and Helen. We had really 20 bikes and we had Pickaberry t-shirts and caps to match. We thought we were pretty cool. A gang almost. Yeah. Yeah. And we even um, went camping together um, in uniform. But we went, got a flat tire not far up the road and we eventually got out to this farm and we camped there for a few nights and that was a lot of fun. And we would, yeah, so we'd be at youth group but then we'd often have a sleepover at each other's houses afterwards. You must have got up to a little bit of trouble. We did. We we um we were staying at a friend's place one night and we rang the boys the boys from the youth group and told them where we were and then we all hid so we were all hiding in these wardrobes and above the wardrobe and the, you know the cupboard above the wardrobe while there's these guys running around the house looking for ourselves that's very exciting and then of course there's um did they find you um i can't remember actually <laughs> <laughs> but um there was um there was a magazine called um Reach Out magazine, which was the pre-runner to Grapevine, same people that did it, and they were having a supporters dinner, and um, a couple of the guys wanted to go, so they asked some of the girls, so that we all got asked to go with, by one of the guys, but one of the girls that my brother asked to go with, um, she wasn't allowed to go because her, her sister had never been on a date, so that was a bit sad. Alex couldn't come. One of the gang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is sad. And that was at the at sailing club on the, um, just by the Harbour Bridge. It was a, a very exciting. That was my first date. Okay. <laughs> and last for a while, or? Yeah, it was. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We didn't really need the boys. <laughs> we had a lot of fun by ourselves. Yeah. That's sweet. So we do really plan to talk about that. Is there anything mm. else those years that you want to mention? Those teenage years that um, just were um, 
it, it was actually my teenage years were pretty awesome um which is why i'm so pleased my own children have had such an awesome experience of church and youth group um we we did musical tours all around the country oh wow we, our, the music director in church and youth pastor would write musicals and we would um, sing them so that was for me that was amazing because i would never have done in, been the person that got up and sang in church um but being with a whole bunch of like 30 people and singing and learning to sing parts and read music and sing that i just love that um and then I, learnt, I also learnt to play the flute, so often in the musicals I played the flute. Sometimes I did the flute and I was a clown through um, um, Baptist Youth Ministries introduced clowning and there was lots of clowning troops around the country in Baptist churches and we had one and so we incorporated some clowning into one of our musicals. Wow, great. <laughs> so yeah, and that sort of went on to being part of drama groups for quite a few years. So such a healthy childhood, really. I mean, everybody's yeah. got some things, but overall... That's right, yeah. Overall, it was fantastic. And we lived at the beach, so summer at the beach. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Weekends and holidays, actually. I lived at the beach at Lee, but I didn't ever go out. I didn't like it being... It was quite... So that set you up pretty good to go into a career. Um... Yeah. What did you what did you have anything planned or did you fall into it all? No, I um I I was never seen as being very academic and I knew that I was gonna have to work hard if I wanted to get to do anything. Um and I was also scared of cities. I didn't like going into Auckland City, so I thought, Well, how am I gonna do anything? Um my mum was a nurse and all my life I'd been told you'd make a great nurse when you grow up. Um, but I loved sewing at school and I, I did really well at clothing. So I decided I was going to do, well, I just sort of went along with the idea that I was going to do um, fabric technology at, at um, Auckland Polytech, which was a three year um, course. But that was right in the city. So I knew I actually was never going to do that. Um, so a fear held you back from it now. did to a degree but also knowing that the fashion industry wasn't where my heart lay <laughs> but I just I did like um, creating and then um, so I applied for nursing I went to a school where you either were a nurse or a teacher there wasn't most yeah. other didn't do much else or a secretary um, anyway I went for an interview at Auckland Polytech. I didn't want to be a Polytech nurse, I wanted to be a hospital nurse. Um, but Polytech nursing had been going for about 12 years in Auckland at that stage. And What do you mean by Polytech nursing? I don't understand. So hospital based is you're employed as a student by the hospital, they train you. Polytech, you are a student full time and you do placements. Okay. And at the end of three years you have a diploma in nursing and you get registered as a nurse um, so I got accepted for Auckland ATI Auckland Technical Institute which is now AUT um, and 
they just happened to be moving to the North Shore, so I never actually had to go to Auckland City. Hmm. And then they built North Shore Hospital. So I did my training, and then I worked at North Shore Hospital, <laughs> which worked out quite well. But during my training, we had to go all over Auckland, and that was pretty hard going as a student. Um, not always having transport, having to get buses in the middle of the night and early in the morning. It wasn't easy. And, yeah, going back to my academically I think I just wanted to prove that I could do it because I'd sort of and I'm quite pleased I'd been led to believe I couldn't so that I did try really hard. You seem to have a mixture of this shyness and a determination like a like your sports that that took some determination but mm. yet there was a shy girl. Is it, yeah. What two words would you just how, how would you describe that? Um Mm. I don't know because yeah there was that I think the fact that I was so good at running when I was a little made me believe I could do anything in a way because there was lots of things that sort of said that I couldn't or I thought said I couldn't um, but I think because I yeah I didn't feel like I got anything just because I wanted it. I had to fight for it. Yeah, um, it does sound like that. that mm, you must have been a determined young lady to, mm, I, am I am going to type of... Yeah, and it, that started because my brother was only 16 months older than me and I thought I should be able to do everything he could. Okay. From the day I was born, I think, I was competing with him. Yeah. <laughs> so when I got taller than him at the age of five, that didn't do anything for my brother. <laughs> Because I could beat him at races mm. and physically beat him, but um, yeah, I don't know. Because I, um, I mean, I, I even said to myself for a while there, I think I'll be a doctor and take three sciences and and yeah, of the sixth form or whatever it was, knowing that I really, really couldn't. And I remember the head of science coming in and saying in front of the whole class, Heather, I see you've put on your option form, you're going to do three sciences, and everybody laughing. Um, and I knew that I probably couldn't either. And I didn't want to work that hard. <laughs> but I somehow felt like it, because I had thought I might do physiotherapy, and I needed physics and biology. And then I thought, oh, don't do that, I'll do nursing, and I really need chemistry for that. So I, part of me was just like, oh, I'll just go for it. But... Um, yeah, so I sort of aimed high and landed okay. Mm. And, yeah, like I said, nursing wasn't easy, but I, I'd i worked that hard to get to that point that I knew I could do it. Mm. Mm. That's all very interesting, actually. Um, mm. So outside of nursing, did you have any other big ideas, you know, that age often does? No, I think I like a lot of girls. I was always saw myself getting married and having children. Um, but I was also going to go overseas. I think for a long, I don't know. I'd been given a love for um, the poor at a very young age through Sunday school and church, and um, I wondered if I'd end up working in India. Or somewhere as a missionary nurse. Um, 
anything India I was I was just drawn to. So when I got to go there in twenty eighteen, it was quite exciting. Okay. Um, with a group or by yourself? Yeah, that was with um, Baptist Mission Fellowship. And got to see all train scenes work in Calcutta. So that was a bit of a oh wow I did get here moment. And of course, if I hadn't married a farmer and come and live in South London and had kids, I might have ended up being a person anywhere, really. So the India thing, though, has, or the, and the missionary, you now support missionaries. Um, yeah. So it sort of worked its way out a little bit differently. Yeah, it did. It's, yeah, it's different. But um, still have a heart for the poor. And I think it's, yeah, those little moments I can see back looking back of where people spoke into my life through um, you know learning about missions at different youth group things or mm. um, anybody in particular um, that you want to mention you don't have to um, no just random people okay. yeah. 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 so your nursing was your main career did you have any other careers or mothering? Um, anything else you would um, consider? No, well, I did my nursing training, then worked at North Shore Hospital for two years um, in the medical ward, the surgical ward, and accident and emergency. And then I went to England and did my midwifery training. So I was away for three years, um, did 18 months training, and then was there for an, oh, six months beforehand. Um, and then a year afterwards, travelling pretty much, we came back to New Zealand. Were you by yourself? Were you with a group of, group of young people? Um, no. Oh, well, I left New Zealand with a with the youth group. Fifteen of us went to the Philippines and we did a summer service with Youth of the Mission. And then I, I landed in Bristol in the middle of winter and stayed with Fred and Sandra, who were friends from New Zealand, who'd been over there for about a year. Um, they'd got married. I was the bridesmaid, and so they introduced me as the, their bridesmaid from New Zealand. Like it was um, Dame Everett had a bridesmaid. You know, um, she's a comedian anyway. <laughs> she had a bridesmaid from New Zealand, so I was the bridesmaid from New Zealand. Um, anyway, um, yes, yeah, so that was kind of my base. And then I, yeah, I'd, I'd applied to several different places around England and ended up in High Wycombe, but I'd go back to Bristol now and then and see them. And then I sort of made friends there. It was a, quite a fun time. And then my um, one of my best friends from Hash, Helen, um, she came over. She was an occupational therapist, so I got her a job at the hospital where I was working. She was allowed to stay in the flat where I was. It was meant to be just for midwives, but... Um, she was allowed to come, and so we worked there f together for six months, and then we bought a car and went around Europe together. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. It was really good yeah. to have a friend to do that with, and even now we reminisce on those days. So you still keep in touch? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. She is, she's not in Southland, though. She's no. She's in North Island? Oh, yeah. North Island, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so would how did the money go then? Was that the time when you had the least amount of money, or...? Did you have other um, times that? Yeah, by the time we'd finished travelling, we didn't have a lot of money. 
yeah, when I got back to New Zealand, I worked for two years and I saved and saved and saved. And it was probably when I went to Bible college, I felt like I had the least money because you had to pay a lot of fees and then you had to wait all that time for your student allowance to start. So how did you manage during that time? Did you have supporters or you just managed on we your just own? Man just, you just, it was just an adjustment from having an income to not having an income. And you got fed because you paid your fees, but... I do remember putting things back at the supermarket quite often. But <laughs> because I always wanted to be creating and filling up my pantry at college and baking. And if there was a birthday or something, then suddenly you'd, you couldn't quite be as generous as you, what you wanted to be, <laughs> I suppose. I think that's where I've always found money hard, if I can't be as generous as I want to be. So how did you find Bible College? Was it a challenge? Was it a love? Um, it was great personally when I was in England um, so I went to Bible College after working as a midwife at Middlemore Hospital for two years and I, it just felt like the next step for God what do you want me to be when I grow up and I felt like if I was going to be a missionary then I should go to Bible College first um, I loved the study I didn't love the pain of the brain working I did struggle with that um, yeah because I, I'm I, my personality type does sort of lead me to if it's not fun it's not worth doing yeah I got through all right and I did I, but I did find it a challenge but mostly I just loved meeting people and um, I had a friend whose sister was going to go to Bible college she said oh that's great you you guys will be friends when you get to Bible college, and this friend had also been in England doing a midwifery training same time as me, but didn't meet her till we got to college and we became best mates. Um, she was my bridesmaid, one of my bridesmaids. And of course I met my husband there as well, so that was quite good. Before we get to your husband, so I'm, I'm getting a sense that one of your themes in life was have fun with your friends. Yep. <laughs> Wish we could see your face right now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to add to that? Um, no, I, I, I think, yeah, no, genuinely, my best, funnest times of my life have been when I've had good friends around me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to put your husband down to come. Yeah. That's too big a topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you proud of out of all those years? I was proud of... Um, being a midwife, I, I think being a midwife is the best job in the world. You get paid to do something that is just so special and exciting and scary and wonderful. Um, yeah, so that, I, yeah, I couldn't really believe that I'd actually got to do that. And all the while thinking, oh, wow, imagine if I could ever have a baby. Um, wouldn't that be amazing? But knowing that having been a midwife was, was pretty cool too. Um, do you regret not doing that longer or was that okay? Yeah, I do regret not doing it longer. Um, and if I'd been more better at sort of 
deciding and, and making that happen, I could still be working as a midwife, but because um, I didn't have family support and the hours are pretty horrible, um, it was always going to be hard. And I, Yeah, it was a choice to put my energies into my own family more, which I'm sure I'll never regret. Mm. Yeah, it's a sacrifice. Yeah. And your kids can be grateful for that. <laughs> Put it on record. <laughs> <laughs> so just one last question, I think, for today. Um, what were the defining moments in those years? That we've talked about? Yeah, now. so far. Defining moments. And um, we might come back to that again. Um, I think this definite shifting is the shift from um, suburban life as I knew it with my cosy little nuclear family and then shifting to the Waikato away from parents becoming more influenced by friends and becoming a Christian shifting to the out north and starting to think what do I want to do with my life and seeing that choices I made then have affected my life now mostly for the better and opportunities that I was given and took because of those things I was able to go into a career that I'm so thankful for mm. so a lot of people that have influenced my life so overall we can wrap up those years with a really positive um time with friendships and interesting things to do clowning and career and midwifery mm. trip to England really pretty good years it sounds like very cool thank you Jamie. thank you for today <laughs> <laughs>